Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the Middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up woman. This podcast is brought to you by Hush, layback style for rebel women. By the way, if you listen to this on a new app called Entail, E-N-T-A-L-E, you will be able to see pictures, shop links, and generally have a really relaxing magazine experience. Uh, hi, I'm Emily, and I'm absolutely fine, but uh, last night I felt my back slightly go, and it's I. It's one of those incredibly depressing things that happens every six months or so, and when I basically just want to be, to stand slightly bent over, and I feel like this is a prelude to... Everyone's sitting up. What you mean? Now. You only get relief when you slightly hunch. Yes, or slightly, like almost, like if I had a cane and I could kind of bend <laughs> over like the evil witch in Snow White, I would feel happy. And I think that's quite depressing. How are you, Annabelle? I'm absolutely fine, but there's something wrong with my fucking car. Okay, it's a bad month for me this month because, well, <laughs> for many reasons, but car-wise, because it is car insurance month, road tax month and residence parking month, which all adds up to many, many thousands of pounds. Well, quite a lot of money. Anyway, just had it, MOT'd. It's MOT month as well, on Friday. Then this morning, trying to drive, rattling, rattling, gurgling, flashing light, don't know what it means, and I know it's a disaster. I'm so depressed about it because I know it's a disaster. Also, the car was quite good on the MOT, wasn't it? It wasn't like you need four new tyres and a spare. For and once, because I'm always once. driving into yeah. the curb. For once, <laughs> they said, you know, they said we've got one tyre, but we're happy just to like, when you have like, when you maybe need a filling, we're happy just to monitor it. I said, fine, monitor yeah, it. Yeah, monitor fine. away, monitor This away. isn't the tyre. This is something deep, deep in the belly of the engine. Oh, depressing. Um, but let's move on to better things. One of the exciting things about having Interior's sorceress Rita Koenig on the podcast is that she has so much to say. Apart from decorating houses and now hotels for the last 15 years, she's been a columnist for, wait for this list, British Vogue, the Saturday Telegraph magazine, US Harper's Bazaar, Domino magazine, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times, it's a ridiculous list, and now Rita's Notes, her column in House and Garden. She's written two books, she has an online shop, she runs um, her invaluable complete house workshops that share her relaxed approach to decorating rooted in ruthlessly practical advice. She is recognised transatlantically as an authority on decoration, entertaining and all-round glorious good taste. She has a take on everything. She has lots and lots and lots of opinions. So we plan to outrage her today as much as possible so she comes across all Nancy Mitford. That's my favourite iteration of Rita. She's a marvel. Rita, how are you? I'm absolutely fine. But the trouble is I'm, I'm absolutely fine. Because you're not allowed to be any other way. <laughs> no. It's funny when I when I said when I said to Rita earlier, you know, can you can you think of it? I'm absolutely fine. But she said, but how can I? I'm I'm always absolutely fine. Then Emily perked up like a meerkat and went, me too. I mean, when are we allowed to not be absolutely fine? I mean, that's the problem, isn't it, Em? Yeah, it's the constant need to power through whatever you're feeling because you have to get shit done. But I think also if you're like Rita and you are in the business of making life nice. Right. Yeah. So you have to go in and you have to reassure people who are spending lots of money on their house or reading something where they're going to be spending lots of money on their house or trying to work out how they want to live, where they want to live, how their life is going to look. You have to go and say, don't worry, it's all going to be absolutely fine. Yeah. Don't uh, you? Well, yes, of course. And that's what one does and yeah. makes it comfortable and feel good and happy. You were definitely one of the first people I know that who kind of advocated the idea of tiny hacks, life hacks that would make you happy. Because I remember a friend of mine calling me up 
about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I got, I'm a bit hazy with the dates, but she said that you had, you'd written a book and one of the things was changing your, um, taking your fairy liquid at, and putting it into, oh, yeah. a, into bottle. A, a bottle so that it looked beautiful when you did the washing up. And, um, and she was like, this has made my life so much better. <laughs> and I remember it, but I think now we're all obsessed with those kind of like Higger and that kind of that thing, those tiny hacks that, you know, that are supposed to sort of whatever, but you were definitely well, on, I think the, what's happened on the front. Well, I think what's happened to our generation is we've learned to love being at home. Definitely. You know, well, especially as we You know, apart from that, you know, we're kind of broke, we can't afford to move. So it's all about making, you, you know, making your house feel Wonderful, and that's in your blood as well, isn't it? I mean, you, you, Rita's mother is this very distinguished decorator, Nina Campbell. So, you, I mean, you grew up, you probably grew up rather differently from most people. Yes. What were those well, little points of difference? I just was, before I came here, I was writing my column, actually, and I kept, I kept having this full stop because I kept telling this elaborate story about my mother, which... Led you down all sorts of wrong routes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was about how... She'd gone one Saturday, came home with our little lobsters for dinner because huge excitement because there'd been a lobster sale at the Bendham. So she'd gone there and then, because she didn't have any lobster claw crackers or something, she'd gone to Jerry's Home Stores, which is now Oka, and spent, I think, £500 or something on the lobster crackers and the lobster picks. But also there'd been sort of fun... The lobster crackers looked like claws. So then she bought a barbecue. And a lobster themed as well. <laughs> the crackers were, but the, I don't think the barbecue was, but she found it terribly amusing that she'd gone and spent this fortune, having saved this money on the on the lobsters on sale, had then spent a fortune somewhere else. So that, in there, sort of... In there lies a life lesson. Yeah. Yes. I, I feel like I, I, it would be even better if she'd just gone out to buy some milk or something and then ended up with a kind of entire lobster-themed soiree. She'd never gone out to buy a pint of milk. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a certain way of living, but I mean, I know... But, but I've just bought a full poster to hang some curtains that she gave me on. Ah, uh, OK. And that was what that was what I was writing about in, in, in the column. So I like it. when like you say like you were brought up rather differently to other people... It's stuff like that. But I, you know, it's, it feel it sounds very actually rather decadent and extravagant. But it's also it's rather a glorious way of thinking. It's like life is a vehicle for niceness and beauty. I have these beautiful curtains, nothing to put them on. I'm not going to put them away. I'm going to find terrible to waste. Put them on. Yeah, what a waste of of cheap lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, we have um we have some beautiful curtains that were inherited from my husband's grandmother, and they and they don't fit our, our window. They don't close properly, or or rather, if they do close in the middle, then there's, there's gaping on the sides. And they are far too long for the window. No, those, those ones. They, those ones we sorted finally. Yeah. But um, but we just you know whatever they look pretty. It's got to look nice otherwise things become uncomfortable I think what I find in my house is that I become emotionally uncomfortable if something stays broken or wrong for long enough and I don't live in a house that's anyway done but if there is something I, I don't like the idea of things not just working so just things have finally started falling apart and on Friday a man came and screwed the knob back on the cutlery drawer he fixed the plug in the basin in the bathroom which has been broken for about two years he has fixed the door knob going into the drawing room and the and one of the gas hobs. Um, utter joy. Yes. Yeah. Utter, utter joy yeah. this morning that the tap wasn't dripping in the kitchen. Mm. 
It's amazing, it's amazing as well how, how long you can live with that sort of compensation where you're like, okay, I'm going to go in not this way and I can't use that hob. And, and I'm not going to look in that direction. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's, so, like having, it's a bit like having a, a bad back or the label in your knickers itching you all the time or just something which is uncomfortable. And that's what I think is interesting about what Rita does, apart from the kind of design authority, is the idea of making life more comfortable. And when you start working on a house, what, what, do, what sort of message or tip do you give people about... I mean, how do you find out how they're going to want to live? How do well, you fit a house to thing. a person? That is the thing you have to do first. First of all, is establish sort of who they are, how they live, and 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 how they live. So there's no good producing some very glamorous drawing room for somebody who has three kids, two dogs, and yeah, yeah. and doesn't entertain. Yeah. That room needs to be where they are every single day. Rooms need to be used. So you've got to make sure all the rooms are used because actually the room that no one ever goes into is a burden. Yeah, It's like a black hole in the house. It's very it bad. It makes you feel guilty. It's bad energy. And also then it starts just having things dumped in it. Like it becomes a box room or a dumping extra room. Extra duvets that nobody wants. Yeah, like people in the country with freezing empty dining rooms. Yes, you know, these funny dining rooms that where yeah. you can shut the door and everything's yeah. just in there. Random musical instruments that nobody plays. The other thing I really like about the way that you live, full disclosure, I've known Rita since I was 16, is you don't save anything for best. Oh, no. I think you use your best china all the time. And actually, the the cheap stuff when you've got 40 people coming. Because... Mm. It's harder to buy 40 nice glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if you had dinner in front of the telly, I've started doing that. But, you know, particularly if I'm feeling miserable, you're a bit of a linen napkin yeah. and the nice cutlery and, yeah. then, you know, a nice wine glass. I mean, you're relatively nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, you know, yeah, I remember, you know, if I go for a cup of tea with, with you, it's going to be Limoges. Of course. Of course, she says. I've been trying to get rid of the mismatching mugs. I think I've succeeded now. Oh, God, you should see my kind of hideous cacophony of mismatched horrors chipped mugs and disaster um what kind of what kind of clients do you really like to work with what do you look for in someone where you think it's going to make a successful project somebody with confidence is exactly what i sort of need really because everybody does have taste they just need help finding it or you just need to work with them to discover what it is but if they're confident people they're not going to be fearful that their friend is going to mind that they've got the wrong shade of yellow or they don't have this. Or they, that's the, that's that's very yeah, hard so to work with. How much social anxiety do you come across when you're working with people? What other people might think of what well, they're trying to create? I've been very lucky, and weirdly, most of our clients, in fact, I'd say all of them, have been pretty confident, independent women, usually of. Um, independent financial means so working women or yeah. yeah they've just they have all been confident they haven't been the ones asking worrying about what their friends think or asking every person that passes through yeah. to comment on your plans i think it's difficult doing anything by committee yeah and i've heard before from um interior decorators of they'll suddenly realize that their scheme has been passed around three dinner parties to see what everybody thinks which also none of those people who are looking at it have been told it when you present to somebody it makes sense it's why it's also been very easy for me where i very rarely had a situation where the 
the woman I've been presenting to has had to go and show it to her husband to get it passed off because her presenting it to her husband is never going to make the sense that I make doing it. And then if he says, I don't like this, this and this, I can say, okay, well, why don't we swap this out and change it to that or do whatever or explain how I came to that thing yeah. rather than these messages coming back saying these four things have been taken out. Well, the man just says, why purple? Yeah. Yes, and you're so you've got no information to go back with, you know, or the, I don't know, it's sort of it that all of those things make it more difficult. So confidence is really the nicest thing to have in a client. Um, is this what you were always going to do? Oh no, I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to be. At one point, I remember as a, quite a small child, I just wanted to be a lady. <laughs> <laughs> or just like because you are a lady, not a lady. Like I needed just, a title. Oh, just I remember sitting at school, looking out the window, and seeing I went to school in in Ken, on Victoria Road, and I just see these ladies going walking their dogs with the shopping and things. I was like, I want to do that. I want to be a lady. I just want to be a lady. I don't want to have to life, go to work. Life hasn't panned out that way for any of us, has it? <laughs> Although I think now when I see those ladies, I think. I hope you're all right, <laughs> because I find that they tend to be the maddest of, of us all, really. So you're a decorator, your mother's decorator. And you did something I think it's really interesting. You didn't do a, a life swap. You did a house swap with Nina, didn't you? Yeah. For, so, when yes. Well, when I first discovered I was pregnant, I was just finishing the flat that we live in, which basically I'd bought for myself before I met Phil. It was the perfect single girl's flat perfect until Phil and then soon after Margot were coming along and it was just finishing it had taken years and so I rang the woman next door and asked her about buying her flat which I knew was a sort of possibility nine months later I was about to have Margot and we were only just signing the piece of paper so I rang my mother saying I really don't know what to do and also, it's that time in your life when, as if you've got the money to rent somewhere, you're no. about to put all your money into trying to live, and then suddenly there's this great big hitch. So I can't remember if I sort of, I remember thinking maybe she would, and I can't remember if I, I was plucking up the courage to ring her up and ask her when I think she rang and offered. that you Well, offered that you could live in her house. Yeah, so she said, why don't you come and live here in my two-bedroom house, and I will come and live in your Building One site. Bedroom. Building site, because we had, yes, building works were starting. What an amazing gift. It was amazing. I mean, because lots of, I'm sure lots of parents would say, you know, come and live with us. Cue, and you hear about this all the time, the kind of, you know, when people are doing their extensions or, or moving or in that shift and they're living with the in-laws and in everyone this looks This murderous, <laughs> highly combustible, yeah. soap operatic situation. Exactly. But to actually but just not say, the cleanness of saying, yes, yes, darling, we'll I'll just swap. move out. Yeah. Well, that sounds pretty smooth. Do you have a smooth ride through the day? I don't. My days are like an obstacle course. <laughs> and when it's bad, at the end of the day, I feel very, very shattered because it's the day's been so painful, actually, because I've been so kind of Actually, it's triggered. funny. I tend to, I think that I tend to move through those anxieties and, and put them behind me quite quickly and try mm. not to think about them until I find myself with a sort of, mango stone type gland on my neck and a doctor saying to me I think you ought to go go to the hospital right now and stop doing quite so much talk, talk me through the mango shaped thing 
it was this sort of ext- I felt actually once I discovered what it was like it was a tremendous badge of honor I was like you mean this thing is fighting off the, like the atlas the most extraordinary amount of infection so you trying were to holding find its your way enormous into my stress body. and illness in this swollen gland on the side of your neck yeah and what was it it was just a gland that was which was working tremendously hard to stop me from getting ill while I was wow. so run down and, yeah, and, and because and you were like, I cannot be ill, so do not be ill. I suppose so. I yeah, mean, I wow. wasn't thinking that. I wasn't aware that that was what was no. going on inside my... Gland. Gland. <laughs> I mean, my tremendously hard-working, award-winning gland is doing a fabulous job. Let's call her lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The lady <laughs> in my neck. How's you lady literally had today? a pain in your neck. I literally had a pain in my neck, which got worse and worse and worse. And I did a workshop with it getting worse and worse and worse. And then that night... I think I'd called the doctor before, and then that night it hadn't got better. I was on antibiotics, and I went back to the doctor, and she was like, okay, you need to go to the hospital. Which and is really a very weird thing to hear. And you need to cancel your workshop tomorrow. And you were like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, I'm sorry, yeah, what? Of course and you she were. goes, and you need to do less. I was like, and I, this thought went through my head of like, well, yes, yeah, but... When people say you need to do less, I go, well, what's that look like? Uh, how, how's, how's that? That's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. What, you know. But it's interesting that also that, bits? You, that you had a physical manifestation of your inability to say no to things. And I'm, I'm still mean, not sure quite what I would have done differently. I mean, it was just... No, well, I think that's the other thing, isn't it? It's all very well, the hind... But even then, even with the hindsight, you're like, well... What yeah, was okay, it, so, yoga? So, I mean, supplements? Exactly. <laughs> I could Do you know what? My recurring <laughs> nightmare... Um, is not being able to, and as someone who doesn't readily say, tell, say no, or say, oh no, sorry, I can't do that, or kind of, you know, whatever, is that my recurring nightmare is 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 not being able to speak and trying to give an instruction which isn't heard, and it's sort of, you know, obviously, like, you know, there's my inner child not being heard. <laughs> this is a sad tale of woe. But but is it? but but that's I so think, funny. I was thinking, are you sure that's not one's inner control freak thinking? They might not hear me. Also, th- well, there you go. It is well, probably that too. I was thinking, is it the voiceless woman, completely yes. disempowered? And yeah. isn't that funny? You're thinking, you're thinking strangle child. You're yeah. thinking control freak, Rita. <laughs> wow. I'm thinking voiceless okay. woman. I know. Let me tell you about you my think other that dream. a lot. Do I? It's we. Well, the other day when you're I said, really, the used, men in my building are used. so rude because they sweep past me, push their way in front of me to get in and out of the lift. And you said that they just haven't noticed you. Yes. Which hadn't occurred to me. Oh, you're not used to having a feminist around. I, I saw recently the other day we had lunch. I'm also just, not was... used to even contemplating that, that no one's noticed me. It's actually quite rude. There were, there were four of us having lunch and I sat there and, and, and it was slightly like talking about men and I thought, at what point do I whip out my feminist The femme card? card. I took a deep breath and after about 10 minutes they were astounded. <laughs> what, what did you say? Oh, I can't remember one of my something outrageously. I think I said. You, I think George. I think quite I funny. said you can't. You can't expect to reverse two millennia of sexism, oh, violence yeah. against women, and a sense of ownership over women's bodies in a generation. Something like that. Someone For example, else bitching yeah. about their yeah. useless husband. That would have been me because I was the only one with a husband. No, it was someone who just left their husband. Oh yeah. But we don't want to talk about husbands. We want to talk about houses. Because we are all fascinated about how other people live. Yeah. And you know you're going to be judged on your house. People walk in, they th- and they either think, you know. Oh, I didn't expect this. Yeah. Or this is exactly what I thought. Yes, but you don't think about that when you get home, you know, on a day-to-day basis and you, you know, take off your outdoor clothes, put your indoor, your interior's clothes on, hopefully. Do you do that, Emma? Yeah. Emily? Yeah. Even? Emily. Oh, me too. 
I well, do. you have indoor clothes. Well, I mean, they're, they're, my indoor clothes are an act of self-harm. I come home in my work clothes <laughs> and I put on disgusting tracksuit bottoms yeah, I take with off some my sort bra of disgusting t-shirt. And put my, put, I, have a, I, have a, uh, I have work clothes and then I have the home before bed, before pyjama clothes, and then I have pyjamas. But then, you know, like, I've always felt that I, wh- whatever clothes I buy, I end up wearing the same clothes all the time. All the time. All and the time. rather like my mother would be in my best shoes should I feel like digging up the garden. Mm. It's you just, don't save. You save every. You don't keep anything for best, though. Well, not quite in my sort of high heels. But if no, but I was wearing that when I got home and I started watering the garden, I'd be in those that watering the garden. I love that picture of you. you know, the first thing I do is 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 take off what I'm wearing and put on. That's sort of what my grandmother comfort. did. I think that's so. No, no, otherworldly. You don't understand what we put on. I mean, (laughs) you're thinking that it's like you know a a silk kimono covered in sort of you know you know dragons, and it's not. She can think that. She can think that. That's exactly what I do, Rita. That's exactly what I do. Emily takes her bra off. I can't because I'd be a danger to myself and others. (laughs) Um, But it is not good. Like I could, I'm scared of answering the door. With your home clothes on. Yes. And what we should really all do is throw away all our home clothes and start again. But that's a sort of... I throw those clothes away because I never want to wear those clothes on any day. Actually, that's something that Phil, who never throws anything away, says, but that might be useful one day. And I'm like... To who? Yeah, I I wouldn't want to wear that even on that day. Yes. I'd want to wear something nicer. Useful, but would still make me miserable. Yeah, so why? I always think, again, I might be putting you on the spot, but I always think there's all sorts of things that, like, Rita believes in. I want to talk about things that Rita believes in, like drinks trays. Oh, yeah. In the drawing room, sitting room. So you have a tray and you have bottles, and your little bottles of tonic. It's all rather decorative with some glasses, a little board to cut some lemon, probably a bottle of Tabasco ice bucket maybe and it's just there and it's incredibly welcoming is that right that's one of the things you believe in yeah Um, uh, what else do you believe in Um, I believe in decanting so much decanting of bath pine essence phoning me up and saying I cannot believe this book fairy liquid has been decanted Rita believes in uh, not saving things for best so use your limoges for you know your kids tea party or whatever Um, what else do you believe in linen most of us think that you're meant to have like nice white clean simple linen but you really go for it with your linen don't you it's very rarely white yeah and do you know actually I it's sort of white I mean it is I hate coloured navy blue bed you mean like a solid colour like bachelor style brown duvet colour hide the dirt presumably (laughs) presumably um, but the dirt would be the worst, the, the least. Least, of it. yeah, the best, if only. <gasps> um, oh, for some mud. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I just think those full, just an enormous white bed in the middle of a room is very stark and detracting. Actually, you can have a really pretty room and suddenly there's a big lump of white, voluminous white because there's some fluffy duvet on the top. People don't really think about how important the bed is you can spend a lot of money on a room and then they go oh don't worry about that we'll just go just normal white sheets and actually really lovely sheets a lovely a quilt or something you need something to break all of that and that is something I can hear people snorting at the sort of these things that seem fuss but they shouldn't feel fussy once they've been done they should be just just comfortable yeah. yeah I think the other thing that people struggle I think people struggle with these details like um sofa cushions, rugs. So when when should something like a rug be done? Should it be done if you're if you're trying to do a, a room. So okay, so I'm I'm let's say I want to do my my sitting room. 
is there a place that you would always start? Would you start with the paint? Would you start with the rug? Would you start? What would you start with? I <clears throat> I always start with the layout. Oh, the furniture plan before any colour or anything. So that's about how you want to live. How do you want to move through this room spatially? Yeah. How is it going to work furniture-wise? And then I start slotting in the furniture. Either so you're drawing I've that. Got. So you're drawing that. You're drawing your yeah. sofas and where they're facing and how that will be yeah. and your tables. Yeah. And, right. Okay. Drinks tray. So you don't have to know what. <laughs> yes, the fucking drinks tray. So you you, you need to know what the furniture is going to be before you know. Sorry, where it's going to go before you know what it's going to be. Yeah, because I find that uh, when you start to do that, the room starts to sort of come alive and you start to feel the room. You start to feel how you're going to be in it, how people... And while that's happening, I can start to see it. And also, if you're realistic, unless you have a bottomless pot of money, you are probably going to have a sofa, a table, a chair, that is going to have to be rehoused. Maybe it'll be recovered. Yeah. But you've got some stuff you're stuck with. You probably won't be starting from scratch. Hopefully, because actually, the best room has got rehoused things in it. Mm. The best room is not where everything's new. Mm. It's a very hard room to pull off, I think, where everything is brand new. Just to make it really simple. So you'll do your furniture plan. Yeah. Which includes where your plugs go. Yeah. Well, the furniture plan doesn't include that will take you to where the plug's going to go right so yes because then you'll know where a table is with a lamp that needs to be plugged in yeah or uh, okay fine so that's interesting so then so we've got our furniture plan then we've got all our electricity and then where do we go and then you start to think about the fabrics because also you then you don't need that many fabrics in a room and you need to know how many chairs are you going to have curtain things like that so i'll start then probably with so for finding something that is your sort of starting off point, the fabric you really want to use. And then when do your lamps and your lampshades, does that happen at the same sort of time as the rug? Is that the end? Lamps are something that I just sort of cast a wide net quite early on. There are things I'm buying all the time at the be- from the very beginning. Basically rooms are tables, chairs and lamps. Mm-hmm. They are made up of a selection of tables, chairs and lamps and you cannot have enough of them. Mm. They, 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 it's amazing how much... Rooms will absorb those things. And then quite late on, I'll come to the lampshades because then you know what lamps are going. And the rug could conceivably be be the biggest spend, couldn't it? Rug and sofa. Yes. Sofa should be big spend. Sofa really should be big spend like bed. Because you sit on it every day. Yeah, and getting rid of of a sofa is very difficult. Yeah, you can't afford to replace it. And, And a cheap sofa is expensive. It's a lot of thousands of pounds. Because they give up. And, well, bad sofas are uncomfortable. So you regret it, I think. And you never regret a really comfortable sofa. You can always tell the good sofa in a house because it's the one everyone's sitting on. It's a bit like my theory I've got about cost per wear with fashion. I think that with clothes, this doesn't work for party dresses, but it works for everything else, like with a coat, for example. For example, you have to get it down to a cost of £10 per wear which is really easy to do with a coat. You could spend, you know, if you had it, you could spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds on a coat. You should spend you money on a coat Hundreds too. and hundreds of times, right? And you leave, you want your children to inherit the sofas. Yeah. And you must never wait to buy your house before you start decorating it. It's, and I hear people talking about, well, I'm so longing to have one of those, but I'm going to wait for my forever home. I'm gonna, when we get our forever house, I'm going to buy one of those. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? What on earth is your forever house? And second of all, when you buy that forever house, you're never going to be able to afford to buy anything ever again because you would have spent so much money on it <laughs> that you'd be much better approach arriving at it with, with some furniture. When I moved to New York, I rented, and I arrived in New York having not really thought about the practicalities of it, 
in a very sweet, tiny, one-bedroom, white box painted flat on Bank Street with nothing in it. Okay. (laughs) I don't have any budget to decorate this with. Anyway, over four years, I bought and painted and did all of it and came back to England with all this furniture that still is part of my collection, for want of a better word. That's all part of my life and my history and where I've come from and been and and all of those things are part of that rich tapestry. I think it's really important, even when you're renting your first tiny flat, that you buy good stuff. Go to junk shops, go to markets, go to... Whenever I'm in the country, I go into an antique shop and... But it doesn't have to be... That's how I have ever afforded it, is buying in junk shops and antique shops and things like that. I remember when I moved into my first flat, I remember clearly I went to an antique symporium in Crystal Palace and I saw this cabinet, this mid-century brown furniture, wood cabinet. I thought, I kind of think that's ugly, but it's really speaking to me. (laughs) And I bought it and it's come with me everywhere and it's fitted perfectly everywhere. And it's a kind of of anchor for me in my life. It's got the same mirror above it. And it just means that I'm home. Yeah. This brown wood It's cabinet. really important, rather than to going to Ikea and filling it with Ikea stuff, thinking this is just transient. And I'm going to, when I get my forever house, thing obviously, is, Ikea's like Ben Pentrice will come and decorate You know, it. fine for a, you know, Ikea's like easy It's actually not that cheap. No, none of it, it is. It doesn't work out that cheap, not in the end, not, in, you know, compared to a market or a... Um, uh, and do you find it do you find it difficult to get yourself out of the house in the morning to get yourself out and ready for the day and out of the door um, do you have those feelings of have I got everything I'm really hot and sweaty is the gas on you know or, or can you just glide your way out oh I definitely don't glide but I don't necessarily panic that the gas is on I do sort of think is anything lit but I stopped lighting <laughs> candles ages ago because I, that's that it's just too much pressure Oh, yeah, in the middle of the cinema or in the middle of dinner somewhere, panicking. And, of course, I had I had often left the candle-scented, wretched, diptyque candle burning. So so I stopped lighting them. Um, can we go through your handbag, please? <laughs> <laughs> Fetch your handbag. There it is. So what is this handbag? This is jolly nice, isn't it? Yes. What it's is it? The row. The row? Yeah. Oh yes, the that's very smart. So it's a sort of that's the Olsen's. It's a sort of yes, it's slightly deconstructed, slightly sloppy, slightly extremely expensive, in quite a brave brown. It's not tan, it's not chocolate. How do we describe that brown? Poo. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'm going to open the row handbag, which has a sort of oh. slightly burgundyish oh, yeah, interior lovely. and suede. Which, but what will we find? Oh, it all looks really clean and organised. A mobile phone charger. Yeah, that's a really good mobile phone charger too. Why? Because it it charges your phone in about 20 minutes and an iPad in about half an hour. But it's not a portable charger. It's just, it's a plug, traditional charger. You don't carry yeah, one of those Yeah, well, also my slags. bag looks a bit different on a Monday morning than it does halfway through the week because it's, I've slung this in my bag so I was getting on a train, I suppose. Um, and so, and here we have on your Friday. keys on a very cheerful Anya Heimach key ring, coin purse key ring. Yeah. And you have fewer keys than anybody we've had on the podcast. Yeah, I know that's because I've lost them. Oh, good. That's very <laughs> adult. Because usually people rattle like jailers and you've just got sort of one Those of the Those are my office keys. keys. And for some reason, the door keys came off at the weekend and put in a jacket pocket and I forgot to put them back on. Um, and a car key. Um, and my a car key. Smythson diary. So you like 
Emily and Cherry and Cherry Healy, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, are still using a physical diary. I've actually only gone back to one this year. Oh, you've gone back? Why? Because it was I was not syncing properly between the various diaries on my office computer and my phone. I kept missing things. And I didn't know I was meant to be, which... So you decided to go back to human error? And I knew that when I had a diary, if I'd written it down, I can actually see the week. So I can think, I know that that meeting actually is not on Monday because it's halfway down the page. I've written it. It must be on Wednesday. So that's, it's, I can, so we're still having a few teething problems with my office. (laughs) We're now, they are allowed to, I'm not allowed to book anything on Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. I'm allowed to do whatever I like on a Monday and a Friday. You can do your own (laughs) meetings on Monday and Friday. Yeah. And yes, sometimes in my um, digital diary, which is shared with various people, I will just put either something that isn't actually happening, or if I'm feeling very angry, I'll put my time. <laughs> Maybe just for two hours. We try and have sacred Monday as well, where we don't have any meetings in on a Monday. We just at our desks, yeah. getting stuff done. Yeah, so that's... Um, so, Monday's, so Monday's the day I can do meetings with people who like podcasts. Okay, back to the handbag. Ah... Some tiny little ice cream hair clips that um, with that are made with pom poms. Um, I didn't know this was your thing. <laughs> those are those are Margaret's, but she won't wear them. We've got some tissues, which I never manage to carry tissues. I'm always looking for a bit of old kitchen roll or something. I know, and I end up throwing them away because they look disgusting. Um, a pen. Uh, a, what's this? Oh, a hotel. A, a hotel room key. Oh, that's oh, very that's sexy. <laughs> Where is this hotel? That Maastricht. was my trip to Maastricht. Less sexy. <laughs> I love the idea of a, of a room key, a hotel room key floating around. I know. It's like interior decorator or spy? Eyelash curlers. Just there. Uh, Just yeah. some eyelash curlers. That's because they were in the wrong place, so they're trying to get back to the right place. Ah, uh, they are in transit. <laughs> yes. Where are they meant to be? Well, they were on my desk, which isn't the right place for them to be, and they sort of need to be like in my sponge bag or in my bathroom. How long do you think till they make it there? Hopefully tonight. Will you they give only th- left this, this, uh, this morning to come mm. back. Will you give them a wipe? I'm not sure that I've ever used these. They look brand... I hope they're mine. And <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> you ploying. And not Phil's. <laughs> um, and, and here we have... Oh, what's this? Is this a stapler? Oh, yeah, I would just put that in for your amusement. <laughs> <laughs> you could have done better than that. <laughs> it was next to the eye colours. It's I quite a cool stapler. It's not one it's of those really desk staplers. Nice. No, it's very It's a satisfying. Penko Holdfast stapler. Okay, now I like this. It's a very Let's good see. stapler. Is it, is it labelled? No. Oh, God, it really feels really good and industrial, doesn't mm. it? What else you have we got? You know what's really weird that I'm lacking is my... Normally I have all my Rita pencils in there to write in my diary. Um, now, a hairbrush. Um, yes, a, a Hello Kitty hairbrush. Yeah, that's Margot. Full of well. hair. Um, and not much else. A few receipts. Rita, where's your money? I've left it. Where's your money? Where are your cards? Do you know what? They're all I mean, in we a know you're pocket. grand. But how grand can you get? <laughs> 20p. This is what I hate at the bottom of my bag. Always. What is this? Receipts and post-it notes. Is that a... Is that a... Like a... Uh, Sorry, a strip for a um, snappy snap photograph. Yes, but that's like that. I haven't seen one. I ain't seen one of them for a long time. Maybe she's been printing photographs from her mysterious hotel room. Yeah, that was no. That was printing photographs of Margot onto a mug for Jackie. Ah, uh. oh, okay. 
And then the rest is is hair and teeth receipts. Um, but oh. you don't have That's any of those. Actually, I could put that all in the bin. You don't have. Um, I think most of my money goes on hair and teeth, actually. Yes, basically. Trying to hold on to hold both. on to yeah, <laughs> exactly. Trying to reach that elbow deep in her bag. I what know, have you found? But I'm a clear out. I found a pound <laughs> and twenty p, which can go in my point point curse. My yeah, in your point <laughs> curse. You can't <laughs> knock it. A pound and twenty p. Um, and so, I w- can I ask you some other things about? So we're talking about things that Rita believes in, but other things that make a house welcoming. So I think a drinks tray is a really nice idea. My worry about having a drinks tray would be that it would all get very dusty and not get used, or that well, I would drink it all one night by myself. Everything gets dusty eventually, so everything does need to be given a bit of a clean and a dust but I, I think you whenever anyone comes to the house you offer them a drink mm. surely sure yes surely <laughs> don't call me surely <laughs> do you have any sort of um mantras that you live by whether it's to do with design or the way that you live your life whether it's to one of the things i think for design which is an easy fix is lighting and you've got to have dimmable lights it's just if the if the light is bright and cold, then light it's is bright and cold. Yeah, and at night that's uncomfortable. Um, when you dim the lights in the evening, it's relaxing, and that's very nice. Even the um, act of dimming them is relaxing, actually. I think. Well, it's a transition. When you it? yeah, when you move on to an evening light setting, whether yeah. it's turning off the overheads or whatever dimming them, whatever it might be. I completely agree. It takes you from one mental state to another. Yeah, I to the one where you can have a drink, basically. Yeah. And I think people do spend quite a lot of time kind of turning, like reorganising their lighting so that uh, just every night to fit their mood. But haven't you got that green light? Have you still got that I, in your house? I, I, that's the first thing that I switch off every time I come home. Yeah, she's got a, a, an overhead light, a ceiling light. It looks which great. Is, which oh, is green. green. It looks, which looks fine when it's not on. Yeah. But gives this very sinister mm. hospital sort of... Oh, yeah, of yeah. Literally, it's like, oh, we're about to check you in. Like, you've walked into an alternative universe. Like, maybe... The Hammond's Tale, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's stopping you from changing it? Just because we spent the money on the bloody thing. Mm. You know, it's like a cartel-type thing. that's such a thing. funny thing, isn't it? And I just you've had... spent the money on the thing. And so you're going to punish yourself with it for the rest of time. Rather than thinking, I spent the money on the thing, which gives me the right to get rid of it yeah, and stop living underneath this green, green light. glow. Yeah, which I, I honestly, every time I walk into that room, I turn it off. Okay, so we've learnt about that. Um, I yeah. bet you'd sell it quite well on eBay because if it's a cartel thing, it'll look beautiful and. The next person won't know about that until they switch it on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next person. So lighting's a quick fix. People underestimate the stuff in a house, what the pictures do, what the things do. I know, do, I think the... everyone thinks that they have to find their many, many sort of tens of thousands of pounds to do their very important extension and change their lives, right? Yeah. But in fact, there are other ways to completely change the atmosphere that you live in. Is yeah. that what you're saying? I think yes. it's, I think it's something and that we should think about more because I definitely am sort of held hostage to my own, you know, financial restraints. And in fact, I could do wallpaper. Completely. Yeah. Cheap but not cheerful. Cheap but not cheerful. That can be the, that can be the, um, that can be the title of your next book. <laughs> <laughs> or your podcast, Cheap but Not Cheerful with Rita Koenig. Thank you for coming to see us. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was bravely sponsored by Hush. And we'll leave you with this thought. People don't have to like you. You don't have to care. 
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.